I've been doing a little bit of reflecting, as you would possibly know at... Um, church coming up in a couple of weeks we have a thanksgiving service which is something that we've had on our heart as a pastoral team for a while that on the same Sunday as we have our AGM that we would also set aside that Sunday to give thanks to the Lord for what he's been doing in our midst and um, it just has made me think about some of the things that I'm really thankful for um, particularly I guess in the areas of church life that I oversee and really to be honest without a shadow of a doubt um, women's ministry and what God's been doing in our midst this year would have to be at the absolute top of the list for me. Um, I'm just really grateful for um, what to me feels like um, a growing robustness in our uh, relationship as women and um, one of the things that really when I first felt that we were to start um, not only having our daytime meetings which have faithfully continued over a long period of time but to start an evening meeting was that sense of being able to have um, a broader range of ages and um, people who for whom daytime is a bit more tricky and uh, I just really feel that the Lord has been very faithful in that. And um, and particularly this year, just the opportunity, I know not with everyone, but the opportunity to hear some of people's God stories and just to be more aware as we are together that all of us have different God stories going on in our lives. One thing that I did want to make sure that you were aware of this evening, given that Laura Lamerton shared her testimony with us a couple of months ago is that she gave birth to a beautiful girl this week, Violet Grace. Um, and in fact, Jill, who is Laura's mum and therefore Violet's grandmother, and this is the first grandbaby um, in the Blasco side of the family. Um, so we are just so thrilled that um, Violet is here safely and um, if you just keep them in your prayers and also we, ha we have another baby on the way very soon in that Leanne is about to become a grandmother as well. So Emily, her daughter and her husband Mark are expecting their first baby any time now. So it's lovely, nice way, the way that God expands the church in all sorts of different ways, isn't it? Um, but I was just, I don't have a formal um, talk to share. I've just got a few reflections that I wanted to bring um, as we finish our year together. Um, and particularly around the fact that we've been focusing on our God stories and you know, whether you've had an opportunity to share from the front or whether it's just been that rethinking and re-looking at your own life and the way that God has worked in your life and is working in your life and the sense that for all of us we're building a history with God through the good times and the bad times we're building a history with him and I found that hearing each other's stories has obviously had an impact on us relationally I think that it builds um, vulnerability and um, you know I've just loved that this is a, has been a really safe place for people to share um, and have been really grateful for that I just think that um, that speaks of character and integrity as women that we can create a safe place for people to share parts of their story 
I also have felt that in people sharing their stories, it's revealed parts of the nature and character of God that um, through various stories that we've heard over this year of God's faithfulness and his provision and his ability to redeem us from even the most difficult things, his healing and his restoration at work in people's lives. And also just that ongoing transformative process that he is at work in each one of us. I mean, there have obviously been some stories that have been shared where, in a sense, it's felt like that chapter has um, finished and there's um, a sense of um, it having been fully played out, I suppose. And yet there are other people who are sharing right in the midst of the chapter still being partially written and not quite knowing how that part of their story is going to finish. And I think that's really important too in sharing our stories that there'll be some things that we share retrospectively and in a sense that chapter, we're looking at it through a different set of eyes than you might when you're right in the middle of the writing of that chapter. Um but, you know, in reality, we all have chapters in our life that have already been fully written and we have a particular perspective on and other chapters in our life that we are right in the middle of at the moment. And um, I was thinking about this whole idea of stories and chapters and even how I relate to books um, and things like that. I have a really terrible habit, which my girls are appalled by because they're all avid readers. But I actually, if I'm reading particularly a novel and I don't quite like where it's going, I have a great deal of difficulty resisting the urge to read the last few pages to make sure that it's going to be worth persevering because it will all work out all right in the end. But, you know, the thing is in our lives there are chapters that are messy and there are some aspects of our life where we, we can't flip to the back of the book and see how, how exactly how it's going to work out other than obviously always as women of faith knowing that God is good um, as an underpinning to the way that we approach life. The tricky thing in messy or difficult chapters of our life is that there's not that capacity to be able to skip to the end and say, well, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, but there have certainly been times where I'm like, well, God, I could really trust you a lot more if you could just tell me how this is going to work out. Um, and, you know, I think that life just can be messy sometimes. Um, some of you will know that I we have just recently added a new addition to our family. His name is Theodore Hartley. He is a now nine-week-old Belgian shepherd puppy. And we've thought quite a lot about getting a puppy. We had, Justin and I had a dog before we had the girls. And um, so he was really our first baby. And um, we had him for 15 years and it's been seven years since we've had a dog now. And so we had a a, a lot of thinking about it but felt that our girls were kind of old enough to contribute to the process um, and have felt really strongly that an addition of a puppy to our family would be a really great thing um, both from a um, engagement of everybody. Um, I'm looking forward to when he's a bit older maybe having a bit of a running buddy um, and I just think that for us we feel that pets do bring a bit of a mental wellness thing to families but <laughs> puppies are messy and there are really messy parts to having a dog who is still not 
understood that you go to the toilet outside and um, that my dressing gown is not for chewing when I'm walking around. And and so I, I was sort of thinking about that in terms of how I would sometimes like to neatly tie off the chapters in my life. And I'd like kind of all the benefits, like I would like the benefits of Theo, but, you know, I have to keep reminding myself that there's a degree of now making sure that we train him well and um, and persevere with some of the messy parts of having a puppy, although most of it is just very joyful. Today I was at work and Beth had just taken him out for a little walk. He can't go very far at the moment because his legs are quite short. They won't be. He'll be a, quite a big dog. But he'd come back, was obviously quite hot and decided to take a bath in his water bowl. So she took she sent this picture of his both front paws in and he's splashing up the water trying to cool himself down. So... It was very cute. But I, I don't know about you, but I'm not somebody who much likes mess and I, um, and I don't much like process. Um, I think uh, you may remember I've shared this as a sermon illustration before, but, you know, there have been points in our life where I've been decluttering our house. I mean, truly decluttering. And my problem is I get to a point where I can't bear that everything's out of the cupboard and it gets just shoved back into the cupboard and then it'll sit there for another couple of years because there's just this point at which I can't, I don't like the process and so I don't bear with it. Um, and I think that when we're in the middle, particularly of a messy chapter of our life, um, it's sometimes quite hard to see that things will ever look any different. Um, and I guess I have felt... Um, challenged in my own life recently when I look at my own life story and the chapter that I'm in at the moment that God has been reminding me that I'm not to label or name my book by the chapter that I'm currently in. Does that make sense? Um, Bob Goff, who is a guy that um, I heard at the Colour Conference this year, and in fact, we're reading his book in book club at the moment. And one of the things he says is to also not be too quick to give the, a title to a chapter. So the chapter you're in, that he says the very best chapter titles come afterwards. That if you're too quick to actually give a title to what's going on, you may even miss, miss the treasure um, of that season. That that um, the and I think about that in my life. There have been chapters where, when I was in the midst of it, I would have titled it very differently to the wonder of retrospect and actually seeing what God has fashioned in my life through that period of time. And, you know, the, the reality is that in our life stories, chapters can sometimes take unexpected t turns. I was talking to Adam today and we were talking about our enjoyment when we were younger of the Choose Your Own Adventure books, you know, where you could decide, you know, and if you didn't like the ending, you'd go and <laughs> choose, another, choose another one. Um, but life isn't always like that. We can't always choose our own adventure. Um, I was the other thing that I think God's been talking to me a lot about in terms of um, chapters um, and what the way we might assess a chapter. Um, uh, I'll see if I can put words on this. And I'm going to be honest with you there's a few things in my life at the moment that are quite close to the surface. And so I will try not to be emotional, but um, anyway, we'll see how we go. But as you all know, I um, ran a fairly large race this year, 
and I trained quite hard for it. It was a 24-kilometre trail run um, and that included Mount Majura and Mount Ainsley as uh, like summiting. So it was a fairly big challenge and it was at the end of the day that I was running. So except for the first hour of my three-and-a-half-hour run, the rest of it was in the dark. And I was actually – I started quite strongly and I did finish and um, – but I had terrible leg cramps for about the last six to seven kilometres, like nothing like I'd really ever experienced before. And I couldn't stretch them out because they were both – I was cramping at the front and the backs of my legs. So if you stretch one way, it set the other one off. And I got um, the last stretch of my run down Mount Ainsley and then down Anzac Parade, for those of who, you who know it. And really by then I was I, – I was barely walking like I could walk but it was not pretty and I remember feeling I, I I rang Justin as I got to Anzac Parade and I said I just I, I don't know that I can do this I was on my own and I just said to him I'm not sure that I can get one foot in the front of the other but I am I so want to finish by that point I'd done 19 20 no 21 kilometers I was like I just I'm so close to the end I'm just got to get down to the lake so he dropped off my 11 year old and my 14 year old and they literally walked with me and I rang my trainer and I said I can't run anymore I've got terrible cramps and she said I'm on my way and she came up and met me and I walked over the finish line and I'm I'm going to be honest with you I actually felt really disappointed that I didn't finish well like I had trained really hard I'd run that um th that actual route n n a number of times I'd never had cramps before um, and there are a whole lot of things that we're tweaking around that to do with my electrolytes and salts that are probably the issue. But I, it took me a couple of days, it sounds funny, but it took me a couple of days to actually be proud of my accomplishment because I just kept thinking I didn't finish well. Like I couldn't run, like I didn't, it wasn't a race. I, I, I actually, I, I had to limp over the finish line and... I really have found that through that process, God has been revising my assessment of what it actually looks like sometimes to finish well. I think there are times in our life where a chapter will look like we run over the finish line and we feel really strong and um, there are no cramps. And then there are other seasons and chapters in our life where literally finishing is what we're going to be able to manage to do. And I did finish, but it didn't look pretty. Um, and we were at a prayer meeting this morning. We have a meeting as pastors on a Tuesday morning because it's our first day of the week back together. And um, it's often a time of the year where we talk about and encourage one another to finish well. Like you've, we've got you know, quite a few things coming up and just finishing up the year. And um, and because of a number of things that are going on in my life at the moment, I was sitting there thinking, God, I'm not finishing well. And this was when God reminded me about my race. And of, uh, you know, my idea of what it would look like to finish in, in a sense, even the chapter of this year of like I'm cramping and I haven't got enough electrolytes and I'm tired and I'm exhausted and that feeling which was I mean, the mental battle when I was racing to just not sit 
down and give up was like quite an intense thing of just or if somebody I was saying to Adam today if somebody (laughs) come up with a car and offered to drive me to the finish line I think possibly I might have said yes but um but I feel a little bit like that in my life at the moment of that this chapter of finishing the year well and I've just really felt God challenging me about that and about revising my definition of what it looks like to finish the year well because the thing is and this was the case with my running race I'm I'm still in the race like I it may not look pretty but I am still standing firm in faith and I'm still held by Jesus and I haven't run away or quit or lied laid down and I just felt to share that tonight I think as we share our stories particularly when people um are sharing their stories and it's now got a nice chapter title because in fact they're away enough from the even the more difficult parts of their life story um but sometimes we're in the middle of really messy difficult chapters and we'd like the benefits post but we really do not want to go through the process and um and what does it look like to live well in the midst of whatever chapter we're in the middle of and um, how do we, um, you know, the scripture is filled with encouragement to finish the race that's set before us. But I guess the thing that I want to say to you is sometimes that will look pretty and strong and some of the clips that you see of people coming over the finish line and sometimes it will look like your 11-year-old and your 14-year-old on either side of you limping over the finish line but at least being able to say that you did finish the race. And my perspective now on that race is that I'm actually an ultra-trail runner finisher like I am I finished that race and it was really tough but it actually took me a little while to get to the point where that would be how I would describe myself and I think that there are chapters in our life where that is the case and so I just wanted um this evening I was I've been looking at Colossians 1 and in fact Andrew read out one of the verses from this on Sunday during communion which completely unraveled me I couldn't actually I was kind of having to snort to try and take my communion in because I was thinking oh I just I felt a messy moment but I really love what it says in um, Colossians and I just want to read it from the message paraphrase. I want you to just take it in. I've got a copy for each of you and we're actually going to finish by spending just a bit of time with one another reflecting on this. I mean you may be feeling like there's a chapter that is for you it's a real praise point that it's been a chapter in your life that's finished strongly. I don't want to overlay on you sort of the chapter that I'm messily in the middle of at the moment. Um, But regardless, what I want you to hear as you listen to this is that regardless, Jesus is at the beginning, the middle and the end of our story. Like he is he is the absolute constant. It doesn't really matter. I love that Philippians says that um, that he will complete the good work that he's begun in us until 
the day of Christ Jesus. And I was thinking about that today and I was thinking we're all living in the until of life, basically, that he is always until the return of Christ. He is completing the good work that he has begun in us. So as I read this, I want you to be considering that regardless of where you're at in a chapter, the reality is that Jesus is at the beginning, the middle and the end of our story. I'm going to put my glasses on because I'm going to squint even though it's in size 16 font. So this is Colossians 1, 9 to 20 in the message paraphrase. Be assured that from the first day we heard of you, we haven't stopped praying for you, asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will and so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. We pray that you'll live well for the master, making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. As you learn more and more how God works, you will learn how to do your work. We pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul, not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength God gives. It is strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy, thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. God rescued us from dead-end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the Son he loves so much, the son who got us out of the pit we were in, got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. We look at this son and we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, invisible and visible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organises and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. I just love this picture that regardless of where we're at in our stories or what chapter we're in or how messy it looks or how neatly tied up it is that he is there and um, 